Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, September 7th. Uh, it's not Tuesday. I'm, it's, it's really totally Friday, September 7th, 2018. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lynn. It's also Freddie here. <laughs> and I'm uh, Roger Chang, the producer who uh, should have changed the date. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us today, Dr. Kiki, host of This Week in Science. Uh, Dr. Kiki, great to have you back. It's so good to be back. Hello. Hello. Kiki's back. We're going to talk Thank about uh, Dr. Kiki has prepared science for us three ways today. I did. In Three her, science in stories. In science kitchen. A tricycle of science. Right, right. Which is apropos. Science <laughs> dis... What is it called when you... De- deconstructed. Science deconstructed. De- deconstructed, <laughs> that's right. Science uh, detect a movement. Ah, yeah. No, that's, a, that's exactly what it is. Uh, but let's start with a few tech things you should know. Google sent out invites to the media that said, I heart NY. You might have seen those T-shirts. The heart was made of a less than three sign. And then the number three, which obviously is the emoticon for a heart, of course. But also probably indicating the announcement will be about the Pixel 3. The event is scheduled for October 9th. Well, guess what? Microsoft said we can do that too and sent invites to the media for an event. At 4 p.m. Eastern, October 2nd, the invite read, A moment of your time watch i don't know uh best bets are sneak peeks at coming windows 10 features possibly some new hardware in the surface line um maybe a calendar i don't know chrome 69 new browser won't show the www or m for a mobile website on websites in the address bar due to what google says is trivial subdomains you don't need them however critics say well, two different sites now look even more similar sometimes, potentially exposing users 
to phishing attacks. Google told Wired that URLs failed to convey a site's identity, so the company wants an alternative that offers more convenience and greater security. And right before the show, ESPN Sports Business reporter Darren Rovell tweeted, Just in, the Dodgers will announce today that on September 21st, they will distribute crypto tokens that will unlock one of three digital player bobbleheads that can be stored in a fan's Ethereum wallet. This is believed to be the first crypto-based giveaway in pro sports. Woohoo. Woohoo. I, Sarah's not going to cheer because it's a Dodger story. I get that. Uh, in, total, and, in total respect for that. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Apple. All right. Hopefully you can hear me. Yes, uh, we can. Apple, Apple has removed a macOS app called Adware Doctor that blocked ads, but also shared user browser history with a domain based in China. Now, Patrick Wardle, who's the chief research officer at Digital Security and founder of Mac security company Objective-C, that's S-E-E, but very clever, says that Apple was informed of AdWord Doctor's practices last month, but didn't do anything at first. Although Friday it confirmed to BuzzFeed that it has removed the app from its app store. AdWord Doctor costed $5 and it was Apple's Mac App Store's fourth highest top paid software program and the App Store's number one paid utility app. Yeah, and there's a lot of similar apps in the Mac App Store. When I was looking around to see if this was still there, I found others with uh, Chinese software makers. I'm not saying those are you know sending your browser history away, but this is pretty clearly a violation of Apple's guidelines, and it's odd that they didn't do anything about it when they were informed August 12th. Uh, Apple isn't talking a lot about it. I would like to know, I would like Apple to say we didn't remove it because X or, uh, you know, we, we have now removed it. We're sorry it took so long. But give us, give us something uh, to, to make it clear. Anantech has identified that Huawei has been increasing thermal and power limits in order to boost scores in common benchmark software. It makes for high benchmark scores, but also makes the system look less power efficient. In a meeting at IFA, Dr. Wang Chenglu, president of software at Huawei's Consumer Business Group, tried to persuade Anantech that benchmarks aren't the best way to evaluate phones. He also said, others do it, so Huawei must, and he wants to come together with others in China to create a standard. He also ensured future benchmark announcements will be verified by third parties. Now, Anantech has a great write-up about this. They point out that they use GFX Bench uh, to do their benchmarks, which is a more real-world test. Uh, and that mobile needs proper in-game benchmark modes that output data properly. So Huawei pushing for standards is great, but there seems to be no reason why Huawei would want to do this. Granted, they should want to do all of this other stuff, but, uh, you know, like create standards, but they don't get anything even, they don't even get that much of a marketing push out of faking these benchmark tests and other companies have gotten in trouble for this before and been busted and either stopped doing it or alerted people that they were doing it when it started. Well, okay. So, you know, what's the best guess here? I mean, obviously, you know, fudging numbers is very common in lots of industries, but if Huawei is like, okay, listen, we don't want to do this. Sorry. Here are benchmarks to prove that we're, you know, not trying to uh, pull the wool over anyone's eyes intentionally. Is this just something that companies have to be better at as far as internal numbers? No, stop doing it. 
Just stop trying to fake it. There's no excuse at all for this. Uh, okay. the, you know, the excuse is, is marketing hype, which, like I said, doesn't really lead to much. And you're going to get busted. An Antecker or someone else is going to find out because they look very closely at this stuff, thankfully. According to a letter to the U.S. Senate obtained by Mac Rumors, Apple is building a team to train law enforcement on tech issues, including an online training module to help reach police forces around the world. By the end of the uh, by the end of the year, Apple will launch a portal for authenticated officers to submit lawful requests for data and to track requests and obtain responsive data from Apple. The company is doing this as a part of its effort to follow the guidelines of a recent report from the Center for Strategic and International Studies. I find this to be oddly hopeful. I think what Apple's trying to do here is say, no, we're not going to build a backdoor into encryption, uh, but we have a really good reason why. And uh, we are going to show that we want to help law enforcement in ways that don't weaken security for everybody else and that are effective. Uh, I think what's greatest about this is because it's an online module and because they're reaching out to everyone worldwide in law enforcement, uh, smaller police forces, rural area police forces, small country police forces can take advantage of this as well. And if you're wondering about it, Apple says that what they do is follow the laws of the local country. If, if they have a appropriate legal request in that country, they will, they will fulfill it to the best of their ability. I, I will add, this is actually a sign of that some companies are trying to get ahead of any possible issues instead of being reactive it's like hey why don't we just go out there and do this and therefore if something does happen we can say hey we we did our part we need to either adjust the training session or we need to you know do any kind of tweaking to our, to our process but it's not like hey we were just sitting on our fingers something blew up and then we reacted it's more of a hey we're, we're trying to be proactive partners therefore you know if if they ever get grilled in any kind of political uh, uh, you know, ping pong match, they can say, hey, like, we did our part. It's all on your hands if something else blows up. I mean, yes, that does make it sound like they're only doing it because they have to. I have a feeling that, that Apple has been developing this for a long time, I, and, I, and I think they want to do it. I don't think they're, they're – you could look – and I may be wrong. Maybe they're kicking and screaming and only doing it because they have to. But I, I feel like they, they are also trying to be good citizens here, not just trying to cover their ass – uh, later, I don't think that's always true of Apple. I think it might be true in this case. Kiki, I, I don't. I know this doesn't touch on science directly, but but it is about the protection of data. Absolutely, and I think. I mean, I think it's good that Apple is putting it out there that they are trying to put their customers first, as opposed to putting these requests for backdoors into into everybody's data. Um, it's interesting the point that you made about. I, I guess. Um, democratizing the police across around the world, the, the law enforcement around the world. Some, uh, some police forces have the money to have a, an experienced uh, privacy and security professional who does hack the phones, who gets right. into the, the evidence that they collect. But little podunk town in the middle of Iowa is not necessarily going to have those resources, but maybe they can have members of their force who've gone through training or have that information at hand as to who to contact if they do have needs. 
Yeah, by the way, I lied at the beginning of this show. Uh, I am not in Los Angeles. I'm in Greenville, Illinois today. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of let that of, one slide because I was like, I don't know, maybe he's being clandestine or something. No, he's, I was just he's, he's really, it's written, Tuesday. Uh, thinking about it's it. It's Tuesday. Uh, like, like I, I got Ron Burgundy. But, um, but it's a small town. It's not in the middle of Iowa. Yeah. It's in the middle of Illinois, but it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. I apologize to everyone for the- <laughs> mistake well that one roger i should know where i am that's i don't put that one on from los angeles california yeah i should have realized that's not where i am maybe you you really did put yourself on tuesday on tuesday in los angeles (laughs) well i was in los angeles that's exactly right right. you know you default to the day uh speaking of california berkeley california based rigetti is launching an integrated computing system that it says is the first quantum cloud services architecture it has about 12 customers using the system for free right now Rigetti was founded and is run by a physicist named Chad Rigetti, and not by relief pitcher Dave Rigetti. Fast Company <laughs> toured the data center, which is made up of supercooled 16-qubit quantum computers run in hybrid with traditional servers. So this is a hybrid uh, system, not a pure quantum system. Quantum advantage is what everybody's after. That's the idea. It's a milestone where the limited and error-prone quantum systems become good enough to boost the performance of traditional computers in these hybrid systems. And Rigetti thinks that quantum advantage could be achieved by his systems between 6 and 36 months from now, sometime after his systems reach 128 qubits, which he expects to happen by the end of the year. Rigetti started letting developers access systems online using a dev kit called Forest in December, and he wants clients, he works very closely, he doesn't let just anyone use it, but he wants clients to use it for free in the hopes that they will create that application that will achieve quantum advantage. And he's going to award whoever achieves quantum advantage first a million dollars. I think stuff like this is awesome because it, it this is driving the technology forward and also the use of the technology. So kind of that... That, that competition aspect to it is one aspect that's being used a lot in science and data sciences right now. So that's awesome. But secondarily, I think that between six and 36 months from now, that's like the standard, <laughs> we're going to have this drug in five to 10 years. We're going to cure cancer in five to 10 years. We're going to have quantum computing in six to 36 months. So good luck with that. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that gives me a little hope is they've shifted from saying we need quantum advantage in a pure form to saying we want to achieve stuff that's good enough. So drug discovery is an example where they don't need to actually find out the best drug as long as they find out a drug that works better than the drugs that are there. Or for stock portfolios, they don't need to find the most optimized stock portfolio. If the quantum computers are a little error prone, but they still create a portfolio that's better than traditional computers, then you've got quantum advantage. Multiple outlets, starting with the Wall Street Journal, are confirming that Tim Armstrong, actually my former boss at one point when I worked at TechCrunch, is negotiating an exit from Verizon's Oath, which was formed by the combination of AOL and Yahoo. Oath COO K-Guru Garoppin had most of the day-to-day control of the company since the reorg earlier this summer. Recodes Peter Kafka says that Armstrong wanted Verizon to spin out Oath as its own company. New Verizon CEO Hans Vestberg is seen as less interested in media. (laughs) And the official word seems to be that Oath's properties will be integrated more directly into Verizon's. However, Verizon CFO Matt Ellis told a Bank of America investor conference, 
Our commitment is as strong today to Oath as it has ever been. Oath generated 6% of Verizon's total revenue in Q2. The 6% is a very interesting number. Matt Ellis said, I take this oath. (laughs) About oath. I mean, listen, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's 6% is, you know, any executive is going to be like, "Mm, we need to like re-strategize here. This is fascinating. The early stories that I saw about this saying that uh, Verizon uh, under Vestberg, which which he is is very much a telco guy and and was refocusing on telco parts of the of the business, uh, made sense. The idea that Oath could compete with Google and Amazon in advertising wasn't crazy, but it was going to be a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. Uh, so these later these later disavowals from CFO Matt Ellis, I feel like are trying to calm investor. Uh, fear. I I think they are going to start taking the content they have in Oath and and just reattaching it. And I, I don't think that's the best thing for the content that they have. I think I think the idea of a Yahoo AOL combo that's separate is is probably more functional for creating media and content. I think they Armstrong was probably right. They should just either run it independently or spin it off. But who's going to listen? <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently t- Armstrong decided no one, and that's why he's leaving. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. You're not listening to me. Okay. Yeah. He, you know, he's also been, you know, he headed up AOL for a long time um, and, you know, saw it through many iterations. And recently, particularly after Verizon bought AOL, you know, you know when I worked at AOL back in 2015, um, has seen uh, downsizing and budget changes, and you know the 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 entire um, conglomerate has has is is continuing to shift. Yeah. I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but and but, shrink even, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Let's talk space and. Other transportation and movement technologies, Kiki, Uh, starting with space elevators, a favorite of mine. I used it in a novel I wrote once uh, as a trope. Uh, It's been around as an idea for more than a half a century. And the idea is that it would make it easy to get into orbit. But we don't have a material that's quite strong enough to be that rope that can get us reliably into orbit. What's the latest progress? Well, the latest progress is that we still don't have that rope. (laughs) (laughs) They're still counting on those carbon nanofibers to actually be the fibers that make up the rope. But we haven't gotten to the point where we can really make the 60,000 kilometer long rope that we want or need. But the advancement now is that there is a Japanese team. We're going to be testing near the International Space Station a small prototype elevator. And it's, you know, it's going to be small. It's going to be two ultra-small cubic satellites that were developed by Shizuoka University Faculty of Engineering. And the, they're tiny, like 10 centimeters each oh, side, wow. 100 cubic centimeters. And uh, about 10-meter-long steel cable is going to connect the satellites. So they're going to have a steel cable, not the carbon nanotubes that, of our dreams, but it's a prototype. It is going to be a proof of concept to see whether or not you can have these, maybe uh, not an elevator from Earth at this point in time, but could we have an elevator in space mm-hmm. for transporting materials between different oh. satellite or spacecraft objects? Interesting. And 
Yeah. So, so if there's ants be... need to get from one object in space <laughs> to another, they could take this elevator. Well, and also, what do we call an elevator in space, right? Because the whole idea of an elevator is based on... Mm. Is based it's gonna on... be it's gonna be a space train. It's like it doesn't train. have anything to do with not up, know. just up whatever just, direction yeah, it is. That way. Place. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> I I, yeah. I like this idea though of saying, you know what, until we figure out what that material is to do the full on, you know, ground to space elevator. Let's try to figure out if that technology is good for something else with the materials right. that we have today. So I'll be curious to see if, if this proves to be useful. I think everybody is uh, because we've, we've been dreaming about the space elevator, like you said, for about 50 years with really no movement on it in any direction. And this is the first tiny step. Yeah. It's more of a space monorail, though, isn't it? It's like a space monorail, yeah. yeah. It's going to be, you say it's an elevator car, but yeah, maybe it's more like a monorail mm-hmm. car along that, yes. Now, we previously mentioned on DTNS a plan to send small probes to Alpha Centauri in our lifetime propelled by light sails. And we talked about at the time that one of the problems is we don't have all the materials. We haven't perfected light sails. They need to be highly reflective. They need to stay cool. Uh, they need to get not get shredded by any debris they encounter. But right. something called nanophotonic light sails may present at least part of the answer. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. They may indeed. And so researchers have been trying to create a light sail that would, in, in what they would hope, reflect a majority of the radiation from the sun or from the laser beam that would be used to take these craft to Alpha Centauri. Um, and the idea is that you, you think it's the light particles just pushing and in, in putting their force onto the sail, but really it is the reflection of those particles 
from the sail itself. And so you need a nearly perfect reflector. And there's a new article in Nano Lasers in which uh, researchers from the California Institute of Technology in, Pan- uh, in Pasadena have created these nanophotonic structures. What does that mean? They're tiny, little tiny nano, nano-sized particles uh, that manipulate light at sub-wavelength scales. So normal uh, wavelengths of light are on the uh, hundreds of nanometers, but this is going to be sub-wavelength scales. And so and this will give them a way to, uh, I guess, perfect that propulsion system. And um, they have discovered that whereas silicon has a large reflective, reflective index, it doesn't have a good cooling ability. Silica has a good radiative cooling property and a smaller refractive index. And so they're working on um, working on how to get the you know, the right mix, the right balance, yeah, the right balance of these materials, because you want to have it's going to the light, the laser beam light is going to heat up on one side, but the other side of the sail has to let it has to cool. Yeah. And And without slowing so that there's no it doesn't slow down. And so there's no war, no warping of the sail Mm -hmm, either. mm -hmm. Yeah, because the idea is like we just nudge it with a laser beam and it just keeps on going. Right. Yeah, what I think is interesting and uh, exciting about this is uh, I think Japan sent a light sail ship to Venus uh, a few years back. And it worked very well, but it wasn't using laser light. It was using just the sol- the sun's rays. And so it, it was only so fast and so accurately it could go. But the idea that we would need to have light to take us all the way to Alpha Centauri or Proxima Centauri B, right? You have mm. to get all the way there and laser beam is the thing that they think will propel us there. So, so if we want to move around in orbit, it's the space train, it's the space monorail. But that's, <laughs> that's just right. at the beginning of the experiments. For It's mm-hmm. 10 centimeters. We can't get in one yet. Uh, if we want to go to Alpha Centauri, it's a light sail. But that one, we're still trying to find the right balance. Nanophotonics uh, helps us get a little closer, but we're not there yet. What about but Kiki? But it's getting there. <laughs> Kiki, what if I want to fly like a bat? <laughs> well, you won't you won't do it in space, probably. You won't do that. But if you do want to fly like a bat, maybe you don't want to. Maybe your robot could. Oh, can I have a robot bat like a like an Ibo for bats? Robot, right. Kiki. Says. Robot. 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 That's right. Uh, publishing in uh, the. Pl- Public Library of Science Journals a team has uh, published an article called A Fully Autonomous Terrestrial Bat-Like Acoustic Robot. And so this bat could move around uh, terrestrial environments, maybe on Mars. I don't know. But uh, this is a, a, bat, a bat robot that has been given echolocation abilities just like real bats. They even gave it two audio sensors to, to mimic the ears of bats and a single um, uh, echolocating device to send out the radio signals, the auditory signals, the sound signals that would then bounce off of things in the environment and la- allow the robot to map its environment through sound and thus let it navigate without running into anything. Robat. So how big so is far this it thing? doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I think bat, I think something I could hold in my hand. Those pictures look 
pretty this big. This is bigger, yeah. and I don't. It, it, so far, it's not flying really. This is uh, a thing driving around on the ground, mm-hmm. but it but it just echolocating. Okay. It echolocates like That's a bat. That's the key. It's, it's not the flying yeah. part. So I can't. Yeah. I can't fly like could, a bat yet either. No, not fly like a bat, but maybe eventually. But maybe. But you more. do sleep hanging <laughs> upside down. <of> course, <laughs> but but yeah. looking Pretty at the pictures, looking at the pictures of of the robot, it looks more like that uh, that remote controlled driving mm-hmm. ice cooler ice chest, so that you could sit on your own ice chest while going out to the beach and not have to drive it. it would I'm sure this, the developers of this, the researchers working on this are like, yes, that was the key. That was it. That was what we were after. Beer train to the beach. No, it's not about mimicking the actual echolocation of one of the most sophisticated animal sensory organs in the history of animals. No, it was driving our ice truck to the beach. It's Well, what's cool about it is that you could use it in environment Oh, ideally, you'd still need some sort of atmosphere in order for the sound waves to propagate. But even on a rarefied, you know, atmosphere planet like Mars, you get big enough, you know, speakers essentially to blast out sound. Um, you wouldn't be limited mm-hmm. by wavelengths of, you know, mm. electromagnetic wavelengths that you would need, like a robotic eye to see. You could operate right. in the dark. You could be on the opposite side yep. of where the sun is, which would be awesome because then you could essentially have a 20 uh, i guess on mars it, it wouldn't be 24 hours well, but a 24 really. hour you know, all day martian day uh robot working for the taxpayers that paid for it well exactly folks, if you want these kinds of stories and more including animals actual animals not robot real animals shows, yeah. uh you got to check out twist.org twis.org we'll tell you more about it a little later as well Thanks, everybody who participates in our subreddit. There are science stories. Sometimes they involve space. Sometimes they involve bats. If we're lucky, they involve both. Uh, but you can submit any story you'd like us to consider and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Of course, we're on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow. All righty then. Uh, let's check out what's in the mailbag, Sarah. Let's do it. Um, Wepu, who says he's in hot and humid Dakar, Senegal, one of the places that I'd like to visit in my lifetime, says, I followed Tom from BOL to Twit and now DTNS, so he's been around a while, and he always brings great insight to the topics discussed. I agree. Tom is great. Well, except for the couple of times when Tom mentioned that he thinks Samsung might be going the way the old Nokia did. I didn't say it will. I just said it looks he said it, scarily he, familiar. He said, yes, he, you said maybe it mm. will. And he said, hmm. There was a smiley face at the end of that. So, of you know, we're all still friends. Um, Wepu says, I'm not American, so excuse my ignorance on this matter. But aren't Google and Facebook and Twitter private companies that don't have to ensure free speech? Let's say for argument's sake that these companies all say, we've decided to not show any conservative views on our platform. Can the government do anything? Now, I mean, he doesn't mean that they're not publicly traded companies because of course all three are what he means is you're for profit company and you can kind of make your own rules. Yeah. And this is a great question uh, because I think a lot of people lose sight of this part of the, the argument. No, uh, none of these companies are saying they are a free speech platform in the sense that they are guaranteed by the first amendment in the United States. They're saying we want to be an area where people are free to speak Within certain limits. And even government-insured free speech has limits. So, yes, the private companies can decide where to set those limits. 
however they want. It's not against the law. What I think confuses the issue, probably from Wepu, is the government holding a hearing about, hey, you say you're allowing everyone, but you're suppressing this. And no, the government can't come down under an existing constitutional amendment and say you have to allow this kind of speech. But what they can say is if you are going to have an effect on an election, uh, you have to provide equal opportunity of voices. Or more likely, they can just try to make these companies look bad and put public pressure on them. Uh, and that's really probably the biggest lever that is trying to be moved by these Senate hearings regarding the, the, the uh, free speech type issues around the social networks. It's a great question. Well, thanks to Mwepu for writing in, and thanks to everybody who writes in every day of every week. And also thanks to Kiki Sanford for being with us. It's been too long. We missed you. We love your science um, spin on every story that we do and let folks know where they can keep up with all the amazing work you're up to these days. Well, you can always follow me on Twitter at D-R-K-I-K-I. That's Durkiki. My website is twis.org, T-W-I-S.org. That's where you can find uh, my science podcast and subscribe. And if uh, you're, yeah, just those two things. Those are probably the best things right there. All the best things can be found at T-W-I-S.O-R-G. Also, really good, fun things can be found at patreon.com slash D-T-N-S. Please check it out and see the benefits of becoming a member and getting to chat with all the other folks in the audience. It allows us to keep doing the show uh, and we need your support to keep it going. Also, please peruse our fine selection of D-T-N-S stuff at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. And I'd be remiss if I didn't thank the fine folks here at Green University, where I'm doing the show today, uh, especially Dave Holden and Matt Bernico for setting me up here in their gaming lab uh, with an awesome high-speed connection. Uh, so check them out at greenville.edu. Yeah, our Daily Tech News Show store is where you can get a fine hat like the one that I'm wearing. It's comfortable and it's very stylish. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Be back on Monday with Lamar Wilson. Talk to you then. Woo-hoo. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.